Hello everybody and welcome to Up and Over. Do you know what 2,222 packs of frozen meatballs from Ikea and the low end of NWSL salary have in common? Find out in a few minutes. I can't wait, Matt. Please just tell me right now. You're going to have to wait, Blake. Oh, no. But we're going to turn it over to you for a more uh, recent topic that's hit the headlines of sports in general and more importantly, USL. Yeah, so San Diego Loyal, USL team under the management of MLS great men's national team, great Landon Donovan, um, has had a couple of uh, unfortunate incidences in the last uh, in their last two games. Um, the first one occurred a week and a half ago against LA Galaxy, LA Galaxy 2, um, in which one of the players of San Diego Loyal was um, racially abused. There was a racial slur that occurred in the game. Now, the, the game was played out to a 1-1 draw, and after the game, the Loyal decided as a team they were going to forfeit the one point that they got from the draw um, and not take those points. Now, it is the end of the USL season. Uh, they are very close to making the playoffs, and so forfeiting that point was very big. Now, fast forward just a bit to September 30th, uh, game against Phoenix Rising. Uh, and in the first half of this game, at the very end of the first half, there is uh, an incident in which uh, a player from San Diego Loyal, Colin Martin, who is the only openly gay player in the USL and MLS, uh, was um, a, a homophobic slur was directed at him. Uh, and in the events that ensued, um, Colin Martin was originally issued a red card. Uh, and after speaking with the referee about it, the red card was rescinded um, and a discussion ensued between Landon Donovan and uh, Chance, uh, his first name is um, escaping me right now, but he's the manager of Phoenix uh, Rising. Um, so there was a conversation with the referees, and then Landon goes in at halftime to the locker room, speaks with the players, and they decide uh, if the player who said the homophobic slur was not removed from the game, they were not going to finish. Um, San Diego Loyal were up 3-1 to one at half against one of the top table teams. Um, and again end of the season looking at making the playoffs um what happened is they decided as a team if that player is not removed they will not play the rest of the game donovan went and talked to the referee referee would not remove the player because he didn't understand uh the slur and didn't want to take a player out of the game due to um his uh lack of knowledge of of the slur so then donovan went to the other manager and said if you don't substitute him off we are not going to finish this game. Um, and he refused to sub him off. So the uh, the whistle blew to start the second half, and then the San Diego Loyal players walked off. And that caused them to uh, forfeit the game. Um, but when you look at it, the the Loyal players took a stance, and, and they said, and there's a, a four-and-a-half-minute interview with Landon Donovan, um, you can actually find it on San Diego Loyal's Twitter page. Uh, 
where he says, our guy said there are things that are bigger than the sport, and we have to take a stance. Uh, Donovan is pretty pretty passionate in this short little interview, um, but the big thing for, for this club is that they have now put banners up around the stadium and says, I will speak, I will act. Um, and, and Matt and I just wanted to highlight this because we think it's very important. Um, this is not uh, just prevalent in the MLS or USL, uh, right? Not just in the States, but also in leagues across the world, um, racial and homophobic abuse. Uh, and we completely and 100% back uh, San Diego Loyal players, the organization, Landon Donovan as the manager. And for not just not just speaking about um, the topic, but taking a stance and taking action, uh, right? Because there are things that are bigger than this game that we love. Do you have anything that you want to add to that, Matt? It can't be easy to have just up and left the field. So anyone who thinks that they should have stayed, this has been a, this is not a new issue to the sport in the U.S. or globally. So if it's not going to be taken care of on the field, it's going to be taken care of in a in an effort to take care of it by leaving the field and that's that's a very important stance to make not an easy one but as blake said we back the players we back the team and we back landon donovan as a manager for supporting his team that way so blake let's uh, transition back to our intro question what do 2222 packs of frozen meatballs from ikea and the base salary of an NWSL player have in common? Mm. Uh, this is a stumper, Matt. You got to tell me. They are both $20,000. 22,000 packs of meatballs? Not 22,000, 2,222. Oh, okay. But regardless, that's a lot of meatballs. That is a lot of meatballs. Look at all those meatballs. <laughs> but the women's salary in 2019, the low end is $20,000. With the maximum salary being $50,000. And that's going to be taking up our segments today. We're going to be discussing women's salary in the NWSL, where it has started, how it's grown, and what these players do to get by as elite athletes. Never thought that you'd ever have to think about an elite athlete doing something else to get by. I know, right? As I mean, as a graduate student, I get paid more than some of these elite athletes. And honestly, that's, that's pretty sad. Yeah, I agree. And I I have nearly $15,000 in expenses per year between rent, uh, student loans, car loan, etc., cetera, uh, other monthly expenses, totals up to close to $15,000 for me. And on a salary of 20000 that would be tough. Yeah, you're, you're talking about having at least two to three other roommates, likely all teammates, but regardless, the fact that most of these players are rooming together, having a second job on top of playing um, is 
it's it's surreal to think about um and just uh, yeah it's that's 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 a tough pill to swallow when you think about these elite athletes and watching them play on prime time like sometimes prime time television not necessarily nwsl but regardless on television well and matt you and i played uh ultimate frisbee in college together and and we practiced six days of the week and on weekends that we had tournaments those were a total of eight games from saturday to sunday no time to work no time to work right we did not have any time on top of like we were college students yeah on top of classes and everything but that was that was you know anywhere from 10 to 15 hours a week um for us uh on non-tournament weeks and then tournament weeks we put in um i I don't even know how much probably 40 hours a week between like driving to tournaments and playing and everything so that to imagine now what is required at at that level at a professional level right you and i follow a lot of soccer players a lot of teams on twitter instagram etc and we see like posts from like 6 a.m uh 6 7 a.m about like up oh, training session today like this player that we follow like cool down this. right after yeah and and Rent doing this all meal. day yeah, yeah it's crazy so like that that is the case for many players in the nwsl is it's absurd to me to even think that that could be a possibility for a professional athlete yeah and let's let's go back a few years so the league began in 2013 and do you have any guess as to what the minimum salary was in 2015 um let's see i looked at these numbers when we did our first episode on the women's and i want to say it was around at that time was it around 2015 was it around ten thousand? it was seven thousand dollars tough talk about it being that in in terms of today's hustle game that would be falling under some people's values of a side hustle. But these are professional athletes, so that's absurd that they would get paid $7,000. Now, why? Right? Why? Why only 7,000? Well, the salary cap on the team as a whole in 2015 was $265,000. Okay. So that's not a lot. It's gone up to $650,000 per team. So in five years time, the minimum salary is about tripled and the salary cap for the team has almost tripled. So it's making right. good strides in its growth. So, so is this a, a result of a young league finding its footing? Because Right with the with the predecessors of the NWSL, the two previous financial struggles were the biggest issue, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, safe to say that when USSF uh, took part in the creation of the NWSL, it 
was the salary cap being such a low end and and the salaries of players themselves were established to be so low so that the the league would not be under financial stress immediately right out of the gate and and be able to grow right and and that is what we're seeing yeah and it kind of reminds me and we could not find the numbers for early days of the mls but kind of reminds me of back in the early days of the mls hearing about um, lots of players having to house together they were not getting paid a whole ton probably you can draw some parallels between uh, 2015 NWSL salary and even today's NWSL salary to the early days of the MLS. And the MLS has grown a lot, but um, that I mean, there's the aspect of it being a men's sport for maybe like in this current climate on why salaries increase at the rate they do um, between men's and women's sports. But uh, that's a whole nother conversation today. We just want to kind of focus on um, the women's sides of this. And I looked up the average salary for say a WNBA player. And right now in 2020 the average WNBA salary is like a little over a hundred thousand, five hundred dollars So they're getting paid double on the high end of what an NWSL player is getting paid. Um, not, I'm, and there's there's no knock to the WNBA. I mean, by all means, their salary should increase too. But just putting it in perspective where these salaries are falling into place based on sport, um, it's, it's quite a striking number. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can say it over and over and over again. It is absurd to me to think that I make more than a professional athlete. Yeah. And I guess we could put it in perspective because some people are probably asking, well, what about the women's national team players? They do get paid more. They get paid by the national team, whereas the rest of the league gets paid through the owners of said teams so that U.S. women's national team players get paid about I want to say like on the minimum end of that hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I think average was close to two hundred. Mm-hmm. And then obviously there's an, there's endorsements tied in with that, um, and they get health care. So the like that's a whole other topic and conversation between like uh, player pay equity between the men's and women's teams. And we're, we we hope to touch on that in future episodes. In fact, we plan on it, so we're not touching on that today. But between the men's and women's teams, the women's team gets uh, health care provided with their salary and plus the endorsements that they might receive. But that's right. on like, for instance, the, yeah, Alex Morgan. And I can't recall the year map, but you might. Um, Alex Morgan made nearly three million dollars. This may have been 2018. This is 2015. Oh, this was 2015 as well. Okay. So Alex Morgan made $3 million, um, but close to $2.8 million of that was just endorsements. That means 200 left is for her salary between both the national team and playing for club. 
Now, the national team pays her club's salary uh, because of the, the subsidization um, that the NWSL has with the national team. But um, that is is how that works out. $2.8 million of her $3 million comes in through endorsements in 2015. So, yeah, and so there's a range based on where you're at in the spectrum of of just entering the league or you're on the top end of the women's national team. Um, and I mean, that kind of is, is the same gradient in men's soccer. It's just on a whole different, like oomph degree higher. <laughs> um, yeah. Just based on, just based on those, those endorsements, the amount of revenue made. Um, but all right. If we, if we look at that kind of money, and if I was in that position, I'm talking about maybe playing ten years in the league until I retire. I don't think that's going to make me a whole lot of money to sit on for the rest of my life. So clearly, a lot of these players probably have a contingency plan, and or uh, already working on the on something else to. Uh, bring in more money for themselves. Well, are, are most of these players, Matt, playing and working another job at the same time, or have they put uh, a, a career path on hold for soccer for a number of years? We'll have to or mix on, and match. We'll have to touch on that after our... Uh, we're going to introduce a new mini segment here in the middle of our episodes here. So we get to introduce the double dummy. And what's that Blake? The double dummy is, uh, well, let me put it this way, Matt, do you sometimes feel like a, a dummy when we're recording these episodes? Oh, all the time, all the time. I do as well. So that makes us two dummies. Uh, the dummy run is also a, a run in soccer where you uh, kind of run over the ball and let the ball play through to someone uh, making a run behind you. So in a rare occasion, you see a, a double dummy. Um, so a bit of a play on words there. But the double dummy for Matt and I is a, a short segment that we would like to do bringing in guests um, where they just kind of take the reins and, and ask us questions. Uh, just kind of off the cuff. It could be rapid fire hot takes or, um, you know, a, a five minute discussion about a, uh, some serious or not serious debate topic does not have to be soccer related. Just something else out there. And today we have our good friend, uh, Peter Hopkins, who also is a dummy. That, that is my natural state, and uh, thank you for introducing me. Quick side story before I begin with a series of questions to help, uh, you know, judge Matt and Blake's personalities here. Um, these guys would talk about soccer pretty thoroughly in college, and uh, it would happen on occasion at some parties here and there. So we would walk in, and uh, Matt and Blake would be on the side, you know, kind of having a more serious conversation. And I would kind of approach them and be like, hey, guys, what's up? You know, haven't haven't seen you all day. But there's this there's this tone in their eyes and, and their voices that you kind of knew that something else was happening. And then once I would get within five feet of them, I would hear the word, you know, U.S. men's national team or, or 
football or something of that sort. And I would quickly realize that I was out of their league in more than one way. So that's how serious they are about soccer. And I love them. But uh, we'll uh, proceed on to some questions here, if that's all right with you guys. Take it away. All right. So we're just kind of getting a, a basic gist of your guys' preferences between a few things here. So Mac or PC? Blake answer. PC. <sighs> I just bought the Microsoft surface laptop three and it is gorgeous yeah matt what do you think? everything about it i'm rocking a lenovo i've grown up with apple products but i've recently made the switch and i'm content i could go back but you know right now i'm i'm on that pc pc game unfortunately you're both wrong but i mean if a mac was half the price that it was i would totally have one but that's okay moving on next question IPA or Chardonnay? IPA all day. IPA, time to slay. I'm, I'm glad I'm in some good company on this question. <laughs> um, all right, moving on to the next one here. Uh, cookie or brownie? Cookie. Brownie. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Matt. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Raisins, dates, pecans, and, and just regular sugar cookies. Come on. Mm, do you like your cookies nice and hard or do they need to be like softer? They need to be a bit softer. Okay, I can get on board with that, but I'm still going to take a brownie over a cookie almost any day. All right. Uh, quick trick. If you make brownies with coffee instead of water, they make your life immensely better. Question number four, moving on. Uh, coffee. When you like, when you take your coffee, do you like it, uh, you know, nothing in it or do you like it with milk or, or sugar or something? Straight. Straight. Straight coffee. I take mine with a little bit of butter, believe it or not. That makes it, it's smooth, and you guys will call me crazy. The milk is great. It, it adds a little bit of, you know, drops the temperature, makes it a little bit creamier. Butter, it's still smooth. You don't have the weight, but it does give it kind of that, that dairy aspect, and I really like it. It's a little bit more simple. So keep your right. eyes open to it. You're both looking at me like I'm a crazy person, but deep down I know I'm not, so thank you. Eggs in the morning, do you like them scrambled or in an omelet? Scramble their omelet. Those are our two options. Well, what else? There's... What, what else? <laughs> I like cereal in the morning. Oh my gosh, you're getting eggs. <laughs> All right, we're gonna be difficult here. <laughs> Between the two options, um, ideally, I'd take an omelet. All right, Matt. Omelet. There we go. If we're in a, if we're all agreeing on this one. That's good. I love. Omelet. But otherwise, I go over easy if I have a choice. <laughs> That's the wrong answer, but that's okay. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, when we're looking at seltzers, uh, White Claw or Truly? Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. Mm -hmm. I don't have those because I like IPAs. But that's okay. That's okay. We can. <laughs> I would say I would say Truly. You you would be lying if you've never tried a seltzer, but I'm glad that you were honest. But unfortunately, you were still wrong. White Claw. <laughs> Next one, uh, Scrubs or The Office? The Office. The Office. Good. I'm glad we're all... When I was younger, I was kind of thinking about this, and I was like, yeah, when I was younger, I watched more Scrubs, but now I'm older. Office has yep. long, and I'm definitely more in line with The Office. So glad that you both answered this. This one is going to split you. Badgers or Hawkeyes? That... Badgers. Really? Badgers. Hawks. Mm. Let's go Hawks. Wing up. 
This oh, one I'm Lord. also truly split on, so I'm I'm half and half. I'm literally half and half. Or are you white claw? Are you white claw split on it? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm probably like half and half. Badgers usually win in football, almost always do, um, and that's all that matters, right? In recent years, and, in yeah. recent decade. Oh yeah. So that's all that matters. Another one when we're going business casual here. We talking jeans or we talking khakis? What color are my shoes? That's, up to that's you. a good question. I don't... That's a fair question. Okay, I'm interested to see where this goes. <laughs> if you're wearing jeans, what color shoes are you wearing? Brown. Yeah, brown, for sure. Okay, if you're wearing khakis, what color shoes are you wearing? Brown. What's the debate? Like, I mean, why does it depend <laughs> <laughs> so what's uh, the, if the shoes are the same what are you guys still going for uh, business casual I'm wearing jeans okay yeah for sure wearing jeans <laughs> I'd have to agree you need to switch up like what brown shoes for both that's that's <laughs> glad we're on the same page <laughs> alright moving on um, so we're talking dark beers I'm a big dark beer fan here we're talking stout or porter are we what what kind of what kind of added just ingredients general. to it? Just general. Just All right, general. porter. General porter versus stout. I'm gonna go porter. Oh gosh, you guys are. That's why you're good friends. I would say porter too. So I'm glad we're all agreeing on all. Of it's it. like an episode of the dating game. Just let's make sure to not compare that to a dating game ever again when we're friends. <laughs> I just like this khakis or jeans. What what color shoes am I wearing? Brown for both. Oh okay. Still doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter doesn't matter cool well that sounds good that's about all the quiz questions i have you guys were good on most of them uh things that i would disagree with quite frankly mac uh i granted it is twice the price of the normal pc sometimes three times more i just think macs are way more user friendly um that's about it other other answers were pretty much split i'm really glad that we were both ipas all of us were ipas on that ipa or chardonnay question so awesome it's always time to slay <laughs> oh boy alright well that concludes our first segment of the double dummy catch you later cool thanks guys see ya uh, we hope you enjoyed that and if you didn't tell us if you liked it tell us so cause it's something we're going to dabble with in the future but we might as well dive back into the money conversation like Scrooge McDuck. Oh, dear <laughs> Lord. <laughs> um, except we're talking about not being able to have a, su a sustainable amount of money coming in as, a, as an elite athlete, which then re results in them either taking up their intended career after they retire from the sport or have to work other jobs. Uh, back to 2015, those salary issues or the fact that it was so small, um, you had Nicky Marshall, who's a who at the time is a 26-year-old defender on the Portland Thorns. While she had a really strong career and played a lot of games with the Thorns, she cited low pay as... Uh, a main contributor to her decision to leave the league at the age so, of 26 
yeah, in, in comparison, that's that's prime time of your career. In the men's world, it would be absurd. It'd be absurd and like unheard of for a player to leave at that stage if they weren't like injury ridden or just not getting minutes. So on that note, if these players in the NWSL are getting paid as little as they are, what are some of the things they might be up to? Well, you have currently uh, Margaret Midge Purse, excuse me if I did not pronounce her last name right, um, just got elected to the Harvard Board of Overseers. She's a 2017 Harvard grad, and here we are three years later. She's on the Board of Overseers at Harvard. Now, that might not pay anything, but you know that's, that's quite an esteemed position to have at that university of any. Um, and that should just kind of exhibit the, the education that these women get where they're, where they're at because they, they need that strong education, as anybody does. Um, to really kind of garner their their careers maybe after after they've played the sport they love. Um, another example is if we're going back in time, I wanted to look at players who are currently retired to see what they're currently up to. And just to name a few, you've got, um, for instance, Sarah Whalen of the 99 world cup winning team she's now a licensed psychologist and cognitive behavioral therapist what is that matt well it's it deals with mental health uh you're a you're a you're a therapist that yeah just kind of deals with mental health issues um Sorry, I but put you regardless. on the spot there, but what's what's like the education level that that is required? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> um, well, regardless, being a psychologist, a licensed psychologist, requires years of schooling, two at least two years to get a master's. Um, but that doesn't mean you're necessarily able to run your own operation. You're probably working at a hospital. Um, helping individuals with your master's degree um, or I guess clinics in general. Whereas you, a lot of them probably go on for an additional four years to that to get their doctorate. So on top of your four year bachelor's degree, you're getting an additional, at least six years of schooling um, to, to achieve that. Now imagine tacking that on probably those six years tacking that on at the end of your career as a, as a professional athlete. Um, I mean, there's plenty of people that do take a different direction in life. So hats off to those individuals who've been professional athletes and choose to do these things um, based on their passions and interests. And that's, that's excellent to see, but on, on other, on other fronts um, people are, People are taking up other jobs just to make the ends meet. Um, yeah, and and what we're trying to discuss here in this episode, it might seem that we're rambling, but the main point we want to get across is that these women are excellent individuals, not just as athletes, but as academics, as people, 
and they definitely need to get, deserve some mad cred um, and recognition that they're not just uh, single faceted individuals that play a sport. Right. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe we should move into some some names that more people might know, such as like Megan Rapino, uh, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press. Uh, the three of them, after their 2015 World Cup win, um, said, hmm, it's not enough, and started to to work on something that um, would change some facet of uh, some uh, words. Words are really not coming here, but they... Essentially, what they did is they started a, a clothing line, right? And a direct quote from Kristen Press is, we wanted to start in fashion because it's male-dominated and streetwear is the worst of it. It's made mostly by men for men and women have to adapt. It's ripe for disruption. Um, so Megan Rapino, Kristen Press, Tobin Heath, uh, sh- actually shortly before the 2019 World Cup began, um, is when they they release their first T-shirt and are now working on, you know, this fashion line, uh, and and taking a stance too uh, against an uh, a, a system, not only in soccer where uh, you know salaries are male dominated, but in fashion where it is male dominated, uh, and and trying to give women a voice in in this sphere as well right so um uh, a quote that i want to read from the same article that i was reading uh it's a, a new york times article after all being an elite athlete is not just about what happens on the pitch or in the arena it's about the way that success is parlayed into multi-platform businesses all right so we're not talking about just entrepreneurship uh there are several players who have created and head organizations for causes that they're passionate about. Matt, you have a couple of examples. Yeah, um, Mia Hamm, I'm sure everyone's familiar with that name. She has her own foundation that uh, promotes awareness of raising funds for families in need of bone marrow or cord blood transplants. Um, Michelle Akers, she currently has a small farm that does horse rescue and deals with animal welfare work. Um, yeah. And that's just to name a couple of, yeah, that's just to name a couple of individuals that take up additional work outside of their careers, past their careers of being a professional athlete. And, and so much of it too is, is something that they're, they're passionate about. Uh, right. I would imagine that Mia Hamm has a connection with this organization, right? There's a specific reason that that she has worked so hard in this organization. Um, and when you look at Megan Rapinoe, Tobin Heath, Kristen Press, they have all been very, very outspoken uh, in um, uh, racial inequality, um, as well as inequality in the LGBTQI plus communities uh and um just about dismantling uh, a system that favors men over women 
incredible, incredible women who do so much more with their careers than just play. But we don't see that side. We see them as just athletes, right? Elite athletes um, who are underpaid, and many of them are forced to take an avenue outside of, of just their love for the game. Or make- even put off their careers. I there can't think of the individual player's name, but there's people that put off their law degrees to play this game. And the fact that you have lawyers running around as elite athletes, I mean, that's no easy balance in your life. Um, I don't imagine that there's as many like MLS or English Premier League players that can can flaunt their law degrees or no. their psychology degrees. I mean, no, they, I, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Seems like most on the men's side, it seems like most people come up through the academies and that's right. They, they have a general education through like a high school equivalent, but I don't know. Look at the, the men's, team figures that we've talked about are, are well-known Christian Pulisic, uh, you know, high school equivalent, essentially, uh, during his time in Germany at Dortmund, um, continued to go to school while playing, uh, Weston McKinney, no college degree. Um, the only like men's national team players that I can think of with a college degree are, uh, Jordan Morris, and there was one more, I think. You have a number of the MLS stars that have been rooted in Akron, such as Darlington Nagby, DeAndre Yedlin. Now, whether or not they received their degree or maybe they left a year early, I don't know. But you have have a good handful of players in the MLS more so that probably have received their four-year degree. Yeah, I I suppose that is true. But to, I guess, wrap things up on this topic, um, we do hope to continue to see the wonderful work that these women do, but we hope that it's not done in the need to sustain themselves as elite athletes. Um, We've seen an uptrend in in the pay that they received from 2015 until the present which is an excellent size uh, sign for the league's growth. And we can hope it continues to grow in attendance, notoriety, ad sponsorships, and um, increased revenue. So we can see increased equity on payment um, through natural growth. Right. Yep, absolutely. But that is just a, a brief look into the women's salaries. Again, we hope to to touch on this in, in an episode um, and, and kind of tackle the women's pay uh, inequality, their fight with USSF um, for pay equity with the men's team. Uh, but that is going to conclude our episode for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at mbfc underscore up and up over to get some pics and some more info about matt and i or the articles we are reading 
or you can follow us on Twitter to find some occasional live game tweets at Up and Over.